0: We should we we should use the podcast to talk about Brian De Palma as an asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't know if he's an asshole. Or no, not. Well,
0: that's a that's a mean thing to say. Like <sighs> as if
1: like, she worked with him personally. She Although pro- I do remember, I think was... she was talking. Uh, she was talking from personal experience. Maybe there I'll was an
0: ante- there was an anecdote in The Devil's Candy um, about how like he used to like because that was about the making of Bonfire of the Vanities, which he directed. And he would be on set, like, you know, he would take a nap, like, during his lunch break. Yeah. And one day, like, an assistant made, like, she didn't really know if he was taking a nap, and so she knocked on his door, and we opened up his door to see her. He had, like, he looked like a demon. Jeez. He was just pissed, like, what?! All right, and we're back on the Wages of Cinema. Uh, we had a little intro there for Brian De Palma as an asshole. Um, but well, we're back. I haven't met the man. I'm just No, saying. I don't either. Like, you're just saying a co-worker worked with him, I guess. and Or maybe that's his reputation. Who knows? But in the meantime... Still love
1: *Fans of the Paradise, though.
0: Yeah, and I like a lot of his movies. Um, and you you certainly like it more than The Untouchables. Um, <laughs>
1: all all right. right, so now we're back to our list. We're back to our we list. We have two... Movies,
0: Two movies that, you know, once again, uh, kind of spanning the gamut between uh, Art House and kind of what we call the quote B movie, almost like the kids movie. Uh, Although I think that these two movies might have kind of something in common that you didn't think about i bring that up.
1: Oh, we'll we'll have to talk about that. So I'm going to talk, so let's, uh, Jack, you're going to go first. Yes. What movie did I ask you to see this week?
0: Um, well, I decided to, since last time we watched Jason the Argonauts, and I'm feeling kind of in a summery mood, I decided to continue on with that and watch the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. All right. And, uh, you're going to start your clock? No. No, really? Uh, Never never mind, mind. I'm just going to do
1: it. Oh. Alright.
0: Alright, so this movie, first of all, I'll just start off by saying I I didn't like this movie as much as Jason the Argonauts. Okay. There are things about it I did like there are things about it I liked very much, actually, but it's a prime example of a mixed bag.
1: Alright. Um, this movie stars John Philip Law. John Philip Law. A B movie veteran, I da- might add. Danger Diabolic. He yes. played Diabolic. Space Mutiny.
0: Okay, I didn't know he was in that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that is a pretty famously... Isn't that a bad movie? It's terrible. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, John Philoblossi, he plays the Tal character of Sinbad. I can't quite tell if he is a good actor in this or not. I he's, guess he's he, kind a of way, a convincing he, Arab, but he's so wooden.
1: Uh there's not much to distinguish like, it, like from compared to else. him,
0: like the actor who played Jason in Jason the Argonauts. he had more personality than John Philip Law.
1: You may have a point, mm. but also this film has Tom Baker as the villain Ooh, and the, I want, Akura, I'm have bra- a lot, Black Prince,
0: and I'm gonna have a lot to say about him, but first, uh, the premise of this movie, from what I could gather um. Like there's uh, I just from like there are little notes I have that I just want to read my notes really fast. Go ahead give you an idea of what I was kind of writing as I was watching. Right away, a bat in the sky <laughs> bird shits a golden trinket <laughs> <laughs> a vision of a woman with an eye on her palm and he puts something on immediate thunderstorm. He puts on I guess the amulet yes. of the thing or something um, nightmares. Goofy, but still cool. Love the guy in the black sh- black shroud, and that's when we get into the plot. So, all right. So, what I got from this movie? So, there is this golden. Not is it a gold? Not a golden fleece. That was Jason. Yeah, but there is a whole. There's another kind of hunt for gold, basically in this movie.
1: In a way, uh, Sinbad comes to this kingdom where the vizier is trying to prevent. Kura, the Black Prince, from yes. getting his hands on a treasure yes. and taking over the kingdom. Yeah. So, in order to do it, they have to go to this island uh, to get the last piece of the mystical talisman exactly. that will give them a crown of riches. The, and Tom Baker is going after it as well.
0: Yeah, the setup is, is, very, is kind of similar to
1: Argonauts a lot. Well, Argonauts was a lot more straightforward.
0: It was, yeah. I mean, this one... Um, yeah, like in this one... like. Like, for example, there are no gods in this movie. No. We should say that. Like, this one is more about, like, you know, the use of black magic by this uh, guy, Prince Korra. You know, he, uh, you know, like, he has, like, a bat spy. He's, like, that kind of guy. You know, unlike with the gods in Jason the Argonauts, there's no, like, person watching them on the ship. Although, there is, like, one of the first Harryhausen effects in the movie is that woman on the ship that comes to life. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, the figurehead.
0: About? Yeah, and that was kind of like that was another thing. Like I said, where where I just maybe it's because I would just seen Jason Argonauts recently, but I just thought you're kind of repeating yourself here. Didn't I just see this with Talos in Argonauts, where you have another creaky, you know, baddie that comes to life?
1: Well, you I ha it's still kind of clever. Korra is is behind in the in the trip, so he yeah. has to. Find a way to get ahead, so he brings through yeah. black magic the ship's figurehead mm-hmm. to life, which is kind of uh,
0: that is it, kind of, it like, is the kind effect of is
1: cool. It's his uh, it's his uh, it's basically his signature move, bringing inanimate <laughs> things to life. Yeah,
0: that's kind of what he does through most of this movie, like, and that's kind of like, but the thing, the thing I did like now, let's get to Tom Baker when he every time he brings something to life, it drains his power. Yeah, saves his energy. He looks a lot older. He looks very old by the end of the movie. Right. Until... Until the, the end. Yeah, until well, until he gets sort of what he... I don't want to say too much, unless... if so, you know, can we, say, we can have spoilers. Yeah, we have spoilers to Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Um, I mean, basically, what he's really looking for is, like, the fountain of youth. Yeah, yeah. That's basically... He's looking for riches, he looking he's for looking for He's looking to make himself immortal. He wants right. to be, like, a young person throughout his life, because... Um, now here's Tom Baker, he he is by far, like, the thing I love most in this movie. Yeah. He's so, like, because at first, when he kind of came on the screen, I'm like, wait a minute, you're doing, like, a discount Anthony Quinn in Lawrence of Arabia? (laughs) It's like, you're gonna gussy up this white guy as if, like, it's, like, Arab blackface, you know, but... (laughs) The more it goes on, Tom Baker really gets into this character. He shows he's, a great he, deal of; he gives character a great deal of personality.
1: Personality, even I would bordering on sympathy. Yeah. I don't know, like like you mentioned, he uses his powers, and you know it drains a little bit of his life away from him. Yeah. So you understand, that, you know, he has a lot riding on mm-hmm. this, and he's not like. Two steps ahead of the char- of the main characters. This is something I noticed. He is like they are neck and neck with each other. This is a race for them to get to this island. Yeah, like he has to get there because if he uses up all his power, he'll use up all his life and he's dead. Yes.
0: So he's there to me, there were much stronger stakes with his character than even Sinbad.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, granted, he's still evil and sure, we, we yeah, gotta beat but, him, but still, he had a bit he had a bit of depth to it.
0: Baker him. adds a lot
1: of personality just
0: I love his eyes. His (laughs) eyes are like another character in this movie. There was something I wrote down as I was watching the movie that um, I think there's even one part where you just see his eyes sort of superimposed on a scene. Yeah, because he's really striking blue eyes. Um, But um, and also like there's also that scene later in the film where he's trying to rummage through treasure in this scene. Right,
1: increasing desperation. Yeah, that that was a scene where I'm like.
0: Like I almost like want him to find it in yeah. that moment.
1: And also he has this assistant, Ahmed. Yeah. And yeah,
0: they're that's not right.
1: and like it's not like it doesn't seem like a typical sort of henchman sort of thing. When Tom when when is no, uh, like... about to use his power again, he's like, No, you must not make yourself older. He's like, No, I gotta do this to do the thing. And then like when he blows up the the he's side of a helpful. mountain uh t- like Korra uh, just kind of pulls him aside to get him out of the way of yeah. danger.
0: <laughs> and um, it doesn't
1: develop too much, but there's still little touches in there. Yeah. Like to show that mm-hmm. Ahmed is loyal to this mm-hmm. guy. Korra, uh, Cora you know, takes care of him a little bit. Uh, just little touches. Yeah,
0: there are a lot of mannerisms. There's. Uh, uh, Yeah, but like for me with this movie, as I said, if it weren't for Baker, like. I don't know. It was the performance of Tom Baker that I I might find this movie kind of lame, frankly. Like this is the first movie from the list that I didn't like. It was okay. Like even for me with the Harryhausen effects in the movie, even that up until like maybe by the end it really got going for me. But it kind of you know, and I and I love bats. I love bats in (laughs) movies. This movie has a bat (laughs) through a lot of it, and yet it didn't really. For Harryhausen it looked all right but it was kind of <laughs> you
1: you give it 1 out of 5 bats. <laughs> More but like let's two and talk and a half about, about the special bat. effects too.
0: There bit. are some good special effects here. What it, what was your favorite? Um It's a good question. Uh I would say um probably the um it, I wasn't there like a dancing
1: Buddha? No. <laughs> the 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 Kali statue.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay. Well, that statue with the many arms. Yes. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. That was a really good image. That was something different. Um, Kali
1: is probably the best special effect. It looked like a Buddha
0: to me. That's why I wrote that
1: down. Well, did you listen to what they called it in the film?
0: Uh, I should have. Yeah, you should have. Um, There are also a couple of... Would you call that like th- Would you call that beast at the end with the one eye? Is that like a minotaur? That's a centaur. A centaur okay. with one eye. What's the difference between a centaur and a minotaur? A minotaur has has the head of a bull, okay. and a
1: centaur has the body of a horse.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. So that was closer a horse. That was a nice effect too.
1: Yeah. Um. But the but Kali, I think, is really the bet the real standout effect because it is. I, I
0: I think so for sure.
1: I they had I mean, there are two scenes with her: one where the statue is dancing, and one where the statue is fighting. Yeah, and they have to manage uh, the move. The they have move to manage six fashion. arms.
0: Yeah, the you have there's a lot of things to look for in those arms, and how like you know they're doing different things, and they're trying to grasp at the at the characters.
1: And then it sword fights. Yeah, it dances and that sword fights. That that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and the and the this came, I believe. Ten years after Jason and the Argonauts, mm-hmm. and you consider the skeleton fight at the end of that a very a highly choreographed scene.
0: I still might prefer the skeleton fight.
1: Yeah, the but... skeleton fight is better, but you you, you can look this at is... Kali, the Kali fight, and that's still uh, amazing because it seems it, does. it doesn't seem choreographed. It se- it has spontaneity to it, uh-huh. but it had to be uh, it looks spontaneous, but it had to have been. Uh, heavily choreographed yes. because sometimes there are three different people fighting this one statue, yeah, that has six swords and is flailing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a badass.
0: It's well, it's a well staged fight. It's very cinematic. Uh, it's actually directed pretty well, which other parts of the movie I can't really say. Like part of the a lot of this movie it kind of is flatly directed to me. I know uh, it's a weird criticism, but this almost could have been a TV movie. Watching some of the how it's shot, like maybe even just early on, how I'm thinking about it, like you know, yeah. I, it's nothing like when I watched Jason Arndt. That felt more like, okay, I could see this in a the theater. It would feel kind of epic and thrilling. This, you know, also like for example, another act, another actor in the movie, a Car- Carol Monroe plays the woman yeah they, she they doesn't stand out she much. doesn't do anything she, she has one on. scene
1: where she does something important
0: she's she's eye candy right. she's there like she's basically picked out like she comes on the screen and immediately the thing you notice is her cleavage
1: well there's well nothing wrong with that
0: no but like you know she's obviously there like she's just kind of not much more there's another actor named aldo Simbrelli. Who yeah. uh, he was in a lot of like B movies and even probably spaghetti western. Who does he play in this? Film? He plays Omar. Okay, one of the crew members. Yeah, I believe one of the crew members. But he felt kind of wasted. Like this is a guy who's been in a lot of movies. He was in oh he's in he was once upon a time in the west. Um, he was in Navajo Joe. <sighs> he's credited a lot. Of, oh, for a few dollars more, he's like the guy who you could spot as, like. The henchman usually, but he's. Right. Yeah, I think he's probably one of the crew members.
1: A lot of bit roles.
0: Yeah. So again, it's. I'm glad, like I said, that they got Tom Baker because otherwise, like this is one of those movies where the villain obviously outshines the hero by far. Um, you know, it's. Um, I don't know. So that doesn't seem. Like- oh, you know, it's another thing too. It's like. Maybe like I said, a thing that marks this is more like maybe something that would be enjoyable for kids more than someone like me. Yeah, like this they have like the side character, the 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 sort of goofy buffoon. Yeah, who
1: comes onto the ship. He was actually not bad because like he's like he's, he's some he's just kind of a rich kid who likes to smoke hashish. Yeah, well he kind of and, comes and, on and the ship and he's like, we're gonna be here for months. Yes, <laughs> and, and you understand it was like this is just a rich kid who just gets kind of shanghaied more yeah. or less. But I mean, he becomes healthy. Helpful. He's he, he, he's more useful he, he than does, the woman.
0: Yeah, he does. He is useful, but I just still found him a little annoying. Like he was just kind of like had the same tone through a lot of it. Like I'm going to be
1: the guy, goofy what, comic relief. Whoa! But he did useful things. I mean, you yeah. can talk like you can. You cannot like his personality, but you know, once he's on the adventure, he does <laughs> things. Yeah, uh, and and he, does he pr- and, and he proves to be. Uh, a sent you know an important member of of the crew in a, mm-hmm. in a way, uh. It's just that he's not written particularly well, and the script doesn't do him serve like service service. I got what you're saying. That character good, but within the script he, he he they had uh he doesn't get a chance to really distinguish himself.
0: Right, right. Um. So yeah, I mean it's
1: uh. So let's wrap this one up. Final thoughts.
0: Um. Like I said, I, I do think if you're a fan of Tom Baker, you know he was uh, probably one of the best Doctor Who's ever. He has a real, you know, he, he really stands out in this movie really well. Um, and ha- some of the Harryhausen effects do, are are standout as well. So if you're a special but
1: effects and Harryhausen fan, you'll get what you're looking for. You
0: will get what you're looking for, but it's not one of the essentials. I should add that I haven't seen. I know uh, technically this is a sequel. There was, like, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Yeah, that one's not this so great. One. Okay. So, the, so Golden Voyage of Sinbad is still better than the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because this, you know, Harryhausen wrote, produced, and did the effects for this movie, too. Oh, he wrote it? Yeah, well, he's one of the writers. Right. So he has more of his hands in this movie, and yet the direction was still lackluster for me. It didn't really have a strong look outside of some of the effects like it said it look aside from the effects it looked kind of cheap honestly okay. so i it's a mixed bag for me i i wanted to like it more but it just wasn't quite there for me
1: i agree that it doesn't reach the same heights as jason and the argonauts but i like it as a solid uh as a solid fantasy film
0: yeah i mean if you're looking for something to show your kids and you want them to get some good cinema education edumacation from uh you know outside of cgi this is a good place to go you know it has a lot of you know daring adventure it's a very light movie Um, right educate the children you know it's a little matinee popcorn thing so
1: i'm good all right so it's my turn
0: yeah i finished before the, the stop i think all right uh let me get my my phone ready
1: so let's uh, again blast everybody's uh, perspective. Uh, we t- this is a fantasy movie. This is a matinee fantasy movies from the nineteen seventies. And
0: now we go to the early fifties. And it's funny that in the past few times that we've done this, I've given you uh, Vittorio De Sica and Ingmar Bergman. Now we come to Akira Kurosawa.
1: Yes, Akira Kurosawa, Kurosawa with and Ikiru. Ikiru
0: hmm Now, before we get into Kiro, though, I want to talk just very briefly, though, that how, you know, even though, again, you might not think these two movies have anything in common, but in a way, they're both about, like, you know, how do you live your life and, you know, about death, you know, like, you know, they... <laughs> what? I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm well, wrong i that. Well, if you're
1: going to go by that, you could say that every movie is about <laughs> how to live your life and death. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, maybe very different characters in a way. Like the main. But let me tell you what Kiru. this movie is about. This is about a a bureaucrat named watanabe san Yes, he's played who, by Takashi Taka- Shimura. Right, and he realizes that he has stomach cancer and probably has half a year to live.
0: Yeah, he he be, like the first part of this movie is him just kind of coming, you know, just re- wandering around, going like oh my god am i i 'm
1: really going to die So he tries to figure out what to do with himself he goes on a he goes on an all night bender he hangs out with this uh, girl from the office try, you know trying to figure out something to make himself happy and eventually he hits on the idea of helping to build this playground in the middle of a poor neighborhood
0: yeah and this well there 's something that It's interesting how Kurosawa shows that, because we're not told straight out, okay, I'm going to build a playground right now. No. He's just sort of like looking at it, and you can kind of maybe see the wheels sort of turning in his head, but you don't know what he's going to do. And what's interesting is that the first half of this movie is about him just wandering around, sort of going through this existential crisis.
1: The the movie is divided into two halves.
0: Yeah, and the second half is after he dies... And, the, and, like, the people that he worked with are
1: kind of... At drink, his funeral. Yeah, they're at his funeral, and they're sort of talking about, like, what he did. Right. The first half of the movie is Watanabe-san trying to figure out what to do with the remainder of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That's more that's the conflict, like he's been uh, a bureaucrat for twenty years, and in the opening prologue uh the narrator says, uh this man has been dead for twenty years, yes. <laughs> he just hasn't realized it yet mm-hmm. uh, and it said it would be simply tiresome to meet him now because he's just a guy in an office stamping documents and uh yeah. He- and he and he's done that for decades, and now he doesn't know what to do with himself outside of work. Uh, so the whole thing is about him, uh, you know, finding a focus. And then the, at the middle of the movie, he dies, and the the movie becomes about people his understanding his legacy, like the the conversation that uncovers what exactly how, he's done.
0: How has your life been spent, and has you know what's happening? Is your life wasted? Are you going to leave any kind of legacy? You know, I mean. A lot of this movie is very deep. Yeah,
1: like because you, he, you he has a, a son. He's he's uh, he's widowed. He has a son who uh, who doesn't really appreciate him. His yeah, he yeah, and his wife really. live in the house, and uh, they, you know, it's like he uh, he's treated as a nuisance, mm-hmm. and uh, and he can't bring himself to tell them because he he realizes he probably won't be appreciated anyway. Uh, but the first half. Yeah, you know, it's a deep movie, but the first half has a lot of humor in it.
0: Yeah, 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 there is some humor, but there's also... It's punctuated just by a lot of sadness, because even when things are kind of... Well, yeah, but I think that, what,
1: that makes the humor even funnier. Yeah, a little bit. Like, what's something that's funny for you in this the movie? Uh, well, there's a little thing, like, he takes a day off to go to the doctor, and mm-hmm. all of his underlings are in the office, like, wondering... Man, where has he been? I mean, if he had gone a few more days, he would have gone a full twenty years without a day off. Yeah, and the, and the, the one woman who works there is like, yeah, I need him to come back so he can sign my resignation. I don't really, I don't really fit in <laughs> here. And she oh, takes yeah. that abacus and just rolls it on her head. I forgot about that. <laughs> she's she's just like she's just like the clown and in the office, yeah. and she's just like, yeah, I kind of want to quit. <laughs> but then uh, uh, he's in the he's in the doctor's office. And he's talking to another guy who's saying, like, see that guy over there? The doctor just told him he had an ulcer. But really, he's dying of cancer. Yeah. And he describes, like, all the I symptoms. Remember, yeah, and, and, and Pantanabe-san just kind of shrinks back because those are all the same symptoms he has, too. Yeah. And he talks to the doctor. He says... Uh, well, but the first guy he's talking to is like, yeah, he'll just tell you that he'll just tell that guy that he has an ulcer and won't yeah. tell him that he's dying. <laughs> and then he goes to the doctor and says, so what's wrong? It's like, oh, you just have an ulcer. Don't worry about
0: it. That's like the, that's like the old joke. Uh... And it's
1: so tragic that it's hilarious. Well, yeah,
0: it's like the old joke. Uh, so I just, uh, you know, you have Alzheimer's, but you also have cancer. Well, at least I have cancer. <laughs> I probably messed up that joke. Uh,
1: I, I I was I thought you were going to say the joke. Uh, I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is that you're going to is that you have 24 hours to live. Oh, what's the that's the good news. What's the bad news? I was supposed to call you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's surprising how much I laughed at the be- in that first half of the movie.
0: Well, it's good that they. I like that Kurosawa doesn't you know lay on the heaviness super thick at the start. There are.
1: You can only endure so much.
0: You do have genuine human, you know, interactions that, you know, he sets it up so that there are some light things so that when you get into the drama that it's not, like, totally, like, in a way that, like, I sort of saw that happening when I watched that movie The Hunt that I was talking about. That sort of starts off with some light, kind of humorous things before they get into the
1: really heavy shit. Um, Now, here's something I was thinking about. I usually like to think of companion films. Like uh-huh. if I was ever to host a film night of uh, you know, films to introduce, I would pair this movie with It's a Wonderful Life. But not because of the ways they're similar. Because of the ways they're different. Okay. Alright. It's well, a wonderful uh, well, they life are, well, they is are about both
0: about essentially how do you live a life.
1: In a way, but but uh it's, how would you it's say the differences. Different? Um It's a Wonderful Life is about uh one man who uh Who does a lot of big things without realizing it. Uh, He changes basically the course of his town's future just by his own willpower. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he doesn't realize exactly what he's he's done with his life because all of his ambitions have been thwarted. In this... It's the opposite. In Akiru, uh, Watanabe-san has no ambitions. He's been a bureaucrat all his life, and he's just been stamping things and working, earning his wage and going Mm -hmm. home. Which, you know,
0: in a way, like... You could say that it's a wonderful life. It, it's a little bit more fantastical in that way because a lot of people, you know, they haven't done a lot of things with their life. More people are probably closer to Watanabe than they are. Yeah, to that's another George, important to, thing. Uh,
1: and uh, it's that Jimmy identification Stewart. with Watanabe, being that guy who who's been life slipping by, that really is more appealing than it's a wonderful life. And huh. uh, you don't have to do the massive things that George Bailey did. You uh, when you. uh but more people are closer to Watanabe-san. Yeah. So when he fi- when he does his one uh, act to improve the lives of others, it's this very small thing. It's or yeah. this very seemingly small thing because he has to go through this entire fight to get this cart yeah built. He's he's working against you know the bureaucracy of 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 yeah. the government, uh, but he you know he who, yeah. he just. He uses that inertia he's been he's built over twenty years as a bureaucrat he to ha- really uh, to really push it through. You see a lot of the like desperation on
0: his face, even though he's keep trying to not show it. But you just kind of see him where his eyes are kind of wide, and he's just like. I think that's the central image happen. of
1: this film. It's Watanabe-san kind of blank. Uh, Goggle-eyed stare there are, into the abyss. Well, there are
0: two scenes that always stand out for me, and I wanted to see if they stood out for you. One of them has been talked about by a lot of reviewers and critics, where he's, uh, at, I think he's at the bar, and he's singing Life is uh, yeah, Short, Fall brief. in Love, My Maiden, at the bar. And you just see his close-up, and Curacao holds that close-up for a while, and he's singing this song, and oh my god, it's so sad. Yeah, because he's kind of crying, but like his like looking forward, like he doesn't move his head really at all. And a lot of it's in the voice and his eyes, and so there's yeah. that. But when you talk about sort of his fight to get this whole uh, little park made, he's in uh, the deputy mayor's office and he's right. asking for permission. You know, so the park can be built. You know, in the first, at first, the mayor ignores him. He brushes but, him off. But he's you know, and what he begs and it's not really manipulative to the audience for sympathy, it's just you feel the the, the, the angst here. You feel yeah. the the, nece- the the excuse me, the necessity to get this done. Yeah.
1: And he you know, he he asked the deputy mayor, would you please reconsider yes. And it's and it doesn't look like much to, you know, Westerners, but I think but you know, I think perhaps as a Japanese person it's very uh presumptuous yeah to to really insist in that
0: way yes yes you know in japanese culture you know you throwing yourself down like that and begging you know that could be a problem yeah, usually it's, it's you're going to be a lot more notable. it's a loss of face yes but in this somehow the the de- the mayor maybe senses something in his eyes and maybe just senses you know the, the weak the the desperation but yeah his vulnerability yeah, i think yeah the vulnerability uh, and it's something really i think the audience kind of people you know even if they don't completely identify with the character you've you know a lot of people have been in that moment where they really want something and they kind of need it and it's just how do you show that like there's a lot that could have been manipulative about this movie this right. could have been like a treacly movie of the week thing but kurosawa i think does a really great job of like showing a lot of the you know what you expect.
1: That's another difference from It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, George Bailey in order to not kill himself mm-hmm. has to be shown exactly what he's done to for people. Yeah. And it's I mean, that's that's basically the essence of It's a Wonderful Life. It's trying to save George Bailey by showing what he's done. <laughs> uh, Watanabe, he is he is single-mindedly pursuing one thing mm. to make some difference. Yes. And he doesn't plan on doing anything great. And Uh, and in the end, what happens is worth it, but it's, uh, but it's not like he saves the town, or it's not like he, uh, saves people's lives, or even, you know, anything that dramatic. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life is very sentimental, which is good, but this one is, uh, very...
0: I don't know how to say it, uh... Well, I think existential is a word to use, which might sound like it's no, I overused. think you're right, yeah. But it's really about, you know, an existentialism to me, It's all it's a very simple concept about what's your responsibility in the world? What are you actually doing in your own mind to actually try to affect change? Are you really taking responsibility for something? Are you doing anything different? And by the end of the movie, it's like... Alright, I have maybe done a little something different. Because a lot of people in in this world, they kind of leave this earth and there's nothing really left behind that they've made a difference about. In a way, like, you know, you say It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie about Schmidt? No. Alright, well, at some point you should watch it. That one, I think, has a bit of a kinship with this movie. um, About, like, a guy who's worked all his life and it's like, what have I done to make any difference? And, you know, can I do anything Mm -hmm. to make a change? You know, I think there's some. it's a very effective message in a movie that has a lot of artistry to it. Yeah.
1: And I think... Uh, Would you say what you had a favorite scene? Maybe my favorite scene... Both my favorite scenes come at the end where uh okay. nabi san is swinging in the park. That's a great image, isn't that it? That brought me to tears. And uh. I... <laughs> Uh, Any singing, life is brief. Yeah, he's just singing like he did the same in the bar. Song That was again. much more effective to me than his first time singing it. See, I thought both times were effective for different. This reasons. This one was the most effective to me. Uh, but the other one is at the end, the very last shot of the film, where yeah, everybody I is everybody is more at the end of the funeral. We realize that everybody realizes that it's watanabe son who got this whole thing pushed through, and mm-hmm. it's really because of him uh, that this park is built, and so and everyone's like oh man we got to we got to be like him and then like the next day it's work as usual except for this one guy who realizes that everybody else was just saying things just because they were drunk and because they were sentimental yeah and he's the one who's left with this feeling and he stands on the overpass over the uh over the the playground, mm-hmm. and it's still Watanabe-san's legacy is still in doubt because he's gotten this park, but nobody else seems to have changed except for maybe this one guy.
0: Yeah, but ultimately, and he goes to
1: that park one... to look, and there's still this little bit of doubt. Like, and it's and it's for us. Yeah, I mean, have <laughs> and it gets us to think about what we've done, and is is this film gonna change how we we act? Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, sure. and that's the question it leaves for you. It doesn't end with that sort of sentimental ending. It leaves us with the doubt so that we can think a little more deeply about ourselves.
0: Yes. You know, you know, Kurosawa is one of those filmmakers who really wanted to try to you know, get to an, a viewer without you know, trying to use the power of cinema, cinematic language, to really affect that, not through typical you know, cheesy things. So you got that with Rashomon. You get that with Akiru. You get that with a lot of his movies. There is a
1: little similarity between this and Rashomon in the second half, where it's other people telling the story of Yeah, he he likes
0: a lot of things. So, wrapping this up, is there anything you closing statements? Life is
1: brief. You better see Akiru before you die.
0: Yes, yes. Put that on your bucket list uh, for Akiru by the great Kurosawa-san. If you're going to use the word son, then I'm going to do it like that All right, Time. time. Yeah,
1: keep on saying Watanabe-son. Like, that was that was just his name, though. Every time they talked about him, it was, and whatever they put it in the subtitles, it was Watanabe-son. So that's guess just that what I is, call
0: him. I guess that is how it's supposed to be said. Like, it's weird in Japanese culture, like this isn't a movie, it's, but you hear technically, like, it's not like
1: Akira Kurosawa. It's actually Kurosawa Akira. It's actually backwards. That causes some confusion because sometimes it's hard to tell last names from first, so you don't know if they've switched it or not. Yeah. Well, that's actually how... Um, that's why Yoda talks the way he does, because
0: it's, you know, like the backwards. Speech. Well,
1: Yoda, I think, actually is... His syntax is more Latin. Because yeah. if, you, if you translate... I thought it was based if on If you translate Japanese. Latin word for word, it's, the speech pattern is a lot like what Yoda sounds like. Oh, okay. Because I it's thought like, it was meant to be podcast, to Japanese. podcast, we are filming. We are recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess so. Of course, there is no Latin word for podcast, so this is all moot.
0: No, and so those are our movies of the week, um, and we'll be back for more list vo- movies. Yeah. soon.
1: the Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Yeah, you can take it or leave it. I liked it. Akira, uh, you should probably see it. Akira is it'll a classic. change your life. Akira is one of Possibly. those films
0: that, yeah. So among like the kind of big three that you just went through, you know, sort of three of the biggest auteurs of that time, like these three filmmakers kind of changed the cinematic landscape for a while, you know, Bergman De Sica, and Kurosawa So, glorious black and white In glorious black and white, and unlike Persona, you got this movie Oh yeah
1: <laughs> Alright, we're going to take
0: another break We'll be back with a uh, a little tribute to women in film Kick-ass women Yeah, yeah